Welcome back to Second Helping, the top podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined by my longtime friend, my great friend, Brent Beard, does an outstanding job as the college football analyst there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, also a longtime voter where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. He's going to have an interesting couple of Saturdays coming right. up, I'd say, from that standpoint. Brent, you ready for the uh, you ready for the Thanksgiving holiday and and really getting down to the brass tacks where this Heisman Trophy race is concerned. Well, listen, I love this week, but I also struggle this week, Trav, because it's the last one of the regular season. I, I mean, that's almost a, a grief experience, I think, for <laughs> uh, for me and a lot of fans. And, and it's just unbelievable how quickly that it goes. You've got so much stuff at, at stake uh, here in a lot of ways. and But, you know, we'll have... Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. So still, still a lot to be determined. Still a lot that is uh, up in the air that will be decided this week. Yeah, and up in the air is the coaching situation these days oh. at the University of Florida. We certainly need to lead off the latest edition of Second Helping with the news that Dan Mullen, relieved of his duties, effective immediately in Gainesville. Um, so the dominoes, right? They've yeah. really started to tumble here in the Southeastern Conference. And when you talk about a couple of the preeminent jobs really? in the entire league, that's what you're looking at right now with Florida joining LSU in the race to secure one of the the better candidates out there, I guess. Well, and, and they kind of are intertwined in some ways. I mean, there are certainly reports out uh, at this point about uh, that it had been narrowed uh, for LSU to uh, basically about three guys and uh, Billy Napier of Louisiana, Matt Campbell of Iowa State, and Dave Miranda of Baylor. And uh, I give credit where, it, where it's, it's due in Glenn Gilbo, who used to be a writer uh, I think for the Baton Rouge Advocate, Trav, correct me on that. And then he's kind of branched out a little bit and now he's talking about a random and maybe as a possibility. And uh, so what's intertwined with that is, is Matt Campbell's been mentioned from Florida. Billy Napier's been mentioned from Florida. So, <laughs> Trav, when you have multiple openings going in the conference and, you, and you're looking at some of the same, qua- same candidates, it gets quite interesting. Yeah, it is officially a season in which – we track planes in the yes. Southeastern <laughs> Conference. Uh, administrators yeah. have made that more difficult in recent years. Uh, can't do it quite as easily as you used to, but absolutely. Uh, you hear Billy Napier for sure with with uh, both those jobs. He makes sense, has deep ties to the he Southeastern does. Conference. Another Nick Saban guy, um, you know, a guy that understands the footprint very, very well and uh, then you do have some wild card type candidates. Dave Aranda is sort of like a Billy Napier candidate in that you know, he's been to town before, I guess you can say, yes. when it comes to well, the Southeastern yeah. Conference <laughs> as a defensive coordinator at LSU. So a lot of things to figure out for those two programs. We'll certainly keep you up to speed here on second helping. And 
I'll give you our thoughts uh, as we move through this process. But still, as Brent said, a lot of football to be contested on the field. And we're going to do one podcast this week with the Thanksgiving holiday. So what we're going to do today is sort of preview as we review uh, as we look ahead to the upcoming week because it is such a short week with, as Brent said, Thursday action, Friday action, right in to Saturday. And let's start with Thanksgiving night there in Starkville, Mississippi. The Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Ole Miss Rebels get together in what is essentially, I guess, a matchup to determine the number two spot in the SEC West. Uh, Just an unbelievable game. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Trev, I, uh, I'm being facetious here, but uh, you, you wonder if this thing could end up being 62 to 60 and, and both teams go and combine well over 1,000 yards in this thing, two of the, uh, the better quarterbacks, two of the more quotable coaches. I mean, it's just a delight, frankly, for fans. Ole Miss on the verge of uh, 10 wins. Uh, it is amazing within itself. They beat Vanderbilt last week, had a, had an easy time. Mississippi State beat Tennessee uh, State and Eddie George. And and, and Trav, the other thing is, could uh, as much fun as this would be, could this be Lane Kiffin's last Egg Bowl? Yeah, I think that's a lot of the intrigue. Is that where will Lane Kiffin be coaching uh, in 2022? Could it be still at Ole Miss? Uh, he's been linked with the opening at Miami. He's mm-hmm. been mentioned, at least, with Florida. Not sure how real that association with that opening is, but Lane's going to have his interest. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, a game that in terms of styles is going to be very interesting because even though there is the potential there for a lot of points, Brent. I don't think there's much doubt that both these offenses have different ways of going about it. Both can throw it around Mississippi State with an emphasis on that. But for Ole Miss, you know they would love to be able to sort of sustain that ground game and that success they've had with Jerrion Ely, with Henry Parrish, with uh, also Snoop Connor. And you also wonder you know, if this is his last game for Matt Corral – uh, how much does he or how much can he turn it loose mm-hmm. in terms of his legs with what he's been dealing with from an injury perspective? Yeah, uh, and I understand that he is better, uh, but the season takes its toll, does it not? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, Trav, the interesting thing about this is, too, the blueprint for uh, beating Ole Miss by some teams has been to run the ball, uh, but basically between the tackles and uh, – but but – as we've taught this whole <laughs> this whole season, State's not built to that, are they? That their running game is more this short passing game. I, I I'll be fascinated to see what Leach tries to do uh, to 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 compensate uh, for what what would be uh, maybe an evolving running game. Is that a fair statement? I think so, and I I think a matchup to watch, a fun one. Sam Williams on the edge oh, for yeah. Ole Miss. Versus Charles Cross, the offensive tackle for Mississippi State. Now, Scott Lashley, uh, formerly of Alabama, starts on the right side for Mississippi State at tackle. So it could be on him from time to time 
to deal with Sam Williams, but that'll be a matchup within the matchup that I think will be fascinating to watch. Does does Matt Corral play in the bowl game? Do we have any word on that at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, you know, it could be the difference in which bowl game Ole sure. Miss qualifies for. Absolutely. If you're Ole Miss and you're headed to the Sugar Bowl, well, you're Matt Corral, you're probably going to play in that game, Absolutely. I would think. But if you lose this game and you fall out of New Year's Six favor, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's it comes down to something like that, Brent. He's such a competitor. I could frankly see him playing uh, one last game with his teammate type thing. I I know that doesn't matter to a lot of players. I think for I think to Corral it might. So and, and again, we don't know who all is whispering in his ear uh, from time. And I think he'd probably listen to Lane Kiffin. Uh, in that situation, but 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 Trav again for 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 Ole Miss, uh, this is rarefied air, is it not? I mean, if they win Absolutely. this game, what what a season that it has been for uh, the, the the Rebels in many ways. Yeah, for Corral, I don't think right now he's a slam dunk top ten pick type of guy. Right. right. So it's not like he can't use the opportunities that are still in front of him. Uh, to sort of improve his stock. Now, he may be a first-round guy when it's all said and done, but I don't think at this point of the process, clubs around the NFL are sort of in consensus or even unanimous that, oh, yeah, Matt Corral is a top-10 pick and really doesn't need to show us much more from that standpoint. Arkansas and Missouri, that is a 3.30 Eastern time game on Friday afternoon. Arkansas really impressed a lot of folks around college football with that performance against the Alabama Crimson Tide over the weekend in Tuscaloosa, coming up a touchdown short. Every time you thought Alabama was on the verge of really putting this game out of reach, Arkansas answered. Meanwhile, Missouri coming off a one-point win over Florida in overtime, Eli Drinkwitz Rolls the dice, goes for two in overtime. The Tigers convert. With that, Missouri becomes bowl eligible. Dan Mullen is out of a job. Boy, some storylines for both these teams coming off of last week. I'll tell you what, and Eli Drinkwith is not uh, – it's not above him to have a little <laughs> bit of fun as a tramp. He went light. Darth Vader. Yeah. He, he went Darth Vader on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 you know, as good as Missouri's offense is, Florida, frankly, did a pretty good job holding them to – uh, 286 in a lot of ways, and, and look, I give I give Drink with a lot of credit. Trap, he wasn't gonna put up with this tying the game, was he? Uh, th- th- they got in overtime. He said, "Listen, we're we're going for this," and came up with a tremendous play to win the game. Yeah, they did, uh, and give Connor Bazelak some credit. This guy uh, certainly qualified as embattled uh, going into yeah. the game. We had talked about last week the potential for a shakeup there at the quarterback position. Bazelax dealt with some injuries throughout the season. And, you know, I thought Florida did a pretty good job there for a while against Tyler Beatty. And then at the end of the night, you look, and there he is with 27 carries for 146 and still has a <laughs> touchdown on the ground. Um, the guy is just uh, incredible. He's been great this year for the Missouri offense. And uh, so Missouri now with a chance to sort of help itself uh, like Arkansas in terms of bowl right. order coming up on Friday. And, 
could be a fun game. Could be a game in which both offenses do some some big things. Uh, listen, I've got to mention this because you called attention to this several weeks ago, and, and I'm not. And I think people probably understand this now. When you look at this, uh, at, at how much the Hogs have improved. Uh, KJ Jefferson against Alabama, twenty-two of thirty, uh, and uh, I mean they—I thought their defense at times. I know they—they they, they got shredded also by Bryce Young, uh, but their their line of scrimmage. This team's so improved. But what I'm talking about here is, Trev, how how good is Traylon Burks? My goodness gracious, alive! Eight for one seventy-nine. This is a kid you mentioned early on to pay attention to, and, and uh, I. I I don't know if people realize this, but when you look at wide receivers in the SEC, he can hold his own, can he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who you think about the likes of A.J. Brown of Ole Miss. You go back to a guy like Mike Evans of Texas A&M, one of these big physical receivers that can really go and get it. And what a tremendous performance against Alabama for Traylon Burks and you know, give KJ Jefferson a lot of credit too. the Arkansas quarterback hung in there and um, you know, Arkansas didn't necessarily have a lot of success running the football uh, and Arkansas typically not a great team offensively on third downs, but between third and fourth down against Alabama, 10 of 19, including three of three on force and a fake field goal off a jump pass. Boy, I think the book is out on this Alabama special teams right now. Just have your punter slash holder run jump passes against this Alabama kicking game. And you got a chance to convert them. But, you know, Arkansas, as we've talked about for a few weeks now, Brent, a real opportunity in November to go three and one and uh, put itself in position for a nice bowl game. Well, and this is something we'll get into as it goes along, but, uh, I mean, you've got to look at, uh, if you're a voter, Sam Pittman as SEC Coach of the Year. I, I mean, uh, you'll have a few votes for Josh Heupel with this, Mike Leach, uh, Lane Kiffin deserves. Shane uh, Beamer uh, probably gets some Shane, of that. Shane Beamer is going to get a little bit of love, too. But And, and, and listen, what, what the thing that, impressed me about Arkansas is started strong, had the swoon, uh, and then they really picked it up again. Yep. To me, that to me that's see A and M used to do that a lot. Uh, travel with Kevin Sumlin, where they would get off hot as a firecracker, and they went, then they would fold in November. I tell you what, Pittman's done. Uh, they are as, they're probably as strong now as they've been just about all year long. If you're Sam Pittman, you want future schedules to lay out just like this one did. Yes, where you get to late October, you get that FCS opponent maybe the third or fourth Saturday in October. And then the last Saturday of October or the first Saturday in November, catch that bye week because that served them extremely well. That was a team that was struggling, that was on fumes before that two-week stretch. They got there, they rejuvenated, sort of refueled, and playing some of their very best football at the end of the season now. Georgia at Georgia Tech on the flats. That's another early game. That's one of the early games on Saturday. That's a noon Eastern kickoff. That will air on ABC. 
good old clean old-fashioned <laughs> hate i guess they That's refer right. to this one not much to hate about it these days uh georgia i believe a 35 point favorite on the road Man. over georgia tech and jeff collins uh in his couple of three years now there in atlanta really struggling for that program to find its footing under the new regime post paul johnson uh and 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 trap how many times this week well, that Georgia staff remind these <laughs> players uh, uh, that uh, they're going for their first undefeated regular season since 1982. Mm-hmm. So the, the the history involved with that, as far as uh, they are concerned, uh, it, 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 there are two things here that I want to bring out real quick. One is uh, the Bowers kid at tight end, Brock Bowers, is caught eight touchdown passes, and that is a record for tight ends for Georgia. Um, he's about to break Orson Charles, which you and I remember that name well, yeah. uh, as far as the yardage is concerned. But look, he has stepped up when Dominic Blaylock, George Pinkins, and those guys were not able to catch passes. And uh, the the other thing here that, that really needs to be said is – uh, and and I know Kirby got this from his former boss in Nick Saban, but people ask, well, what does Georgia have to play for here? It's a rivalry game, and this is one of those years, trapped where they have beaten every one of their rivals. They've beaten Clemson, Florida, Tennessee, Auburn, Georgia Tech. I know they've got their eye on Alabama, but, but 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 listen, how how important is that to Kirby and this staff uh, in the development of that program that, that that they're they're able to beat the people they recruit against and their fans hate the most uh, in, in just about beating every one of them this year. Yeah, they don't have to see triple option from Paul Johnson. <laughs> Absolutely, Georgia Tech again this year. That's worked out tremendously well for Georgia, and there's some carryover in terms of what Georgia Tech does schematically on offense and defense and what Alabama will do next week. Yeah. So it's not just an opportunity to go 12-0, and 0, which in and of itself is plenty. It's not just an opportunity to, as you said, sort of take care of all family business, so to speak, where, where rivals are concerned. Um, it's also an opportunity to get a look. Uh, in some ways, at Alabama in advance of the SEC championship game, much more so than would be the case if Paul Johnson was still around. Absolutely. uh, Run an option against you coming up this Saturday. Florida and Florida State also in that noon Eastern time frame on Saturday. That game from Florida Field in Gainesville will air on ESPN Greg Knox stepping in as the interim for Dan Mullen there with the Gators. You know, I just kind of wished Scott Strickland would have stood up there and said, you know, we went down the hall and Steve Spurrier has agreed to step in. <laughs> uh, you know, like Barry Alvarez yeah. style at yeah, Wisconsin. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Steve yeah. Spurrier, bring him out of refrigeration there for <laughs> right, one week right. and. Let him go against those Seminoles one more time. That that would help this game. This game needs some help. Florida State's the hungrier team. We previewed this type of scenario last week when we talked about you know Florida looking ahead to its final game or so with a 
regular season, who are going to be the more motivated yeah. teams in games that they had left? Missouri, uh, Florida State, and I think that's what we're looking at because Florida State trying to get bowl eligible. Uh, look, in this Florida State team uh, with Jordan Travis, uh, he's 5-1, and one, uh, has 15 touchdowns, Five running the ball, ten passing, has one interception. Trav, so so he's done well, and, and and really the strength on strength here is Florida's running game, which is still averaging about six yards a pop. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, when they decide to run the ball, uh, and and to Damian Pierce, you have to have double digit carries, which is just beyond me. Uh, and against a really pretty good run defense that's allowing like 3.7 yards per carry uh, uh, defensively. So I think that's fascinating. Man, what a stat here, Trav. Only the third time in the series in 65 games that both teams enter enter the game with losing records. You know, I was at the, I think it was the 1979 Florida, Florida State game in Gainesville with Pops. Yes. When the Gators yes. in year one under Charlie Pell went in at 0 9 and 1 and came out at 0 10 and 1. And so probably that kind of vibe uh, in, in Gainesville this weekend. Uh, again, we'll see. Uh, Florida has something at stake here, no doubt about it. Bowl eligibility. Sure. In its own right, we'll see if the Gators uh, play with any type of intensity uh, and what you know shouldn't be hard to muster against a, a rival no. like Florida State. Speaking of rivals, Iron Bowl set for Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern from Jordan-Hare Stadium. A house of horrors in some ways for the Alabama Crimson Tide under Nick Saban. Pretty incredible when you think about it. Nick Saban doesn't have many losses during his time at Alabama, but four of them have come down on the plains since 2007. Well, and I'm curious what you think about this, but but I thought, Travis, for years that uh, for various reasons that the Alabama coaching staff gets tight for that game at Auburn, and they often overcoach. But again, uh, the Auburn voodoo down there is real uh, as far as odd and strange things that happen. Uh, Mac Jones rolling out, throwing a pass in the end zone that 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 basically bounces off an Alabama player into the waiting arms. Uh, Auburn returns it for a pick six. Mac uh, redeemed himself. Auburn still won the game uh, at this point. But uh, again, uh, and, and, and look, Auburn beat writers and Auburn fans, Trav, they, they really thought this game might might end up meaning who is going to uh, Atlanta in a special season. Uh, but, boy, it, it uh, the, la- the last month has been really tough on uh, Auburn, uh, and, and yet uh, you also wonder the physical toll for Alabama going from Arkansas to Auburn, and then next week for Georgia, <clears throat> the Tide, if you want to schedule, prepare you for the playoffs in Atlanta, uh, they've certainly got one this November. Yeah, the good news for Alabama, similar to what Georgia will encounter this week, is that in terms of SEC title game prep, there will be some carryover from what Auburn does 
on both sides of the ball into what Georgia does. Now, personnel-wise, that took a hit when Bo Nix went out for the season because T.J. Finley isn't going to present a challenge with his legs like Stetson Bennett will next week to the Alabama defense. But look, just at the most baseline level, Alabama defensively, after the performance against Arkansas last week with an emphasis on the secondary, has some things to sort out. And on Monday in his news conference, Nick Saban was asked about starting left corner Josh Job and his health. And Nick Saban's answer was more to the point that it was about confidence and frustration Mm -hmm. uh, seeping in on Job as he was victimized by that Arkansas passing game on multiple occasions last Saturday. So maybe it's Kool-Aid McKinstry, the true freshman that starts opposite Jalen Armour Davis at corner, the nickel corner, the slot corner position's been sort of a revolving door with Malachi Moore and Brian Branch this season. I guess the point is, given the experience level of this Alabama secondary that returned from a year ago, didn't really think we would be having these kind of discussions no, going into the final no. week of the regular season. No, no, I agree with that entirely. And uh, uh, some quick things here. One, I don't know if Nick Saban gets the credit he deserves. Ten wins, 14 years in a row. I mean, that's just absolutely unheard of. And then Trav to be able to do that. That ties and, Florida State under Bowden, doesn't it? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Ten just, win seasons. Just, just absolutely amazing. Uh, the most amusing thing I've heard all week, uh, one Bo Nix uh, in, <laughs> in the interview <clears throat> mentioning the, the officials favoring uh, Alabama uh, I think Bo has forgotten that play against Arkansas last Which year. Which is the greatest irony of it all. Yeah, that yeah, you're talking it really about is. an Alabama game against Arkansas that, that, that Alabama has just played and you essentially threw a backwards lateral to spike the ball. Oh, that yeah. That should have ended the game in Arkansas's favor anyway. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, well, but you, and also, Trav, you remember the Kentucky game. And oh, by the way, Bo, Bo doesn't have to play this Saturday. Absolutely. You know? uh, oh, no. <laughs> he certainly. Putting on his analyst hat now yeah. that he's <laughs> out for the year. I think one of the more, I think two things here or two is uh, Trav will Auburn try to. Uh, um, uh, accommodate Tank Bigsby, their biggest weapon again. Much has been said about that uh, already in the week. And let him more carries uh, in this game. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm very fascinated. Could we see a matchup here, Trav, between Jamison Williams, uh, the fine Alabama wide receiver, and Roger McCrary, the Auburn cornerback? That that might be an interesting matchup from time to time. Yeah, a couple of future NFL players there, no doubt. And what's good for Alabama and all that is that John Mechie continues to yes. trend in the right direction, coming off a 173-yard performance in his own right in that win over Arkansas. I think for Auburn offensively, you're going to see backs and tight ends mm-hmm. on Alabama linebackers as much as possible. Uh, that's been problematic for Alabama for a couple of seasons now. They weren't as involved as much as probably Auburn fans would have liked in that loss last Saturday night at South Carolina. I don't think that'll be a problem this week. Now, Alabama's run defense is such that it may 
sort of force Mike Bobo yeah, and the Auburn offense to to throw it a good bit. That's not a good situation for Auburn, especially with more of an immobile guy behind center right now in TJ Finley than say Bo Nix, who can extend plays and kind of help cover for some deficiencies and protections and otherwise. Uh, we mentioned Finley very different than Bo when his strategy, A, he doesn't run, and B, he goes to the medium short range passes in the middle of the field where Bo went more down the field to the outside. Uh, I, Trev, I'm curious with how Bama plays defense, how much of an advantage that would be for them possibly. Yeah, Auburn should just line up in a punt or field goal formation every play. <laughs> and then run run jump passes with the holder of the punter. You know, if all else fails, you know, first down, just come out in yeah, a punt formation. Absolutely. Run the jump pass. Yeah. It, it's worked like a charm here in recent SEC games against that Alabama defense slash uh you know special teams units. Hey, let's talk about Vanderbilt and Tennessee because you know why. We have to where it comes to the Commodores. Look, I guess we give Vanderbilt some credit. It wasn't the bludgeoning at the hands of Ole Miss that we anticipated last Saturday. Meanwhile, Tennessee rolls South Alabama, and boy, the smiles continue to emerge from East Tennessee where this first season under Josh Heupel is concerned. This one between the Commodores and the Vols, 345 Eastern on Saturday. That's the SEC network and Tennessee again with another opportunity to really, really make an impression on folks as you start thinking ahead to 2022. Well, and look there uh, to your point, uh, they're excited about selling tickets next year. Aren't they Trav? And the, and yeah. the better, the better and the more fun that they can look uh, and, and look, even in the South Alabama game, I mean, my goodness, 60 to 14, Hendon Hooker, uh, really efficient again, 17 of 20, Jalen Wright, 83 yards, Jabari Small, 73. And again, we know it's against an overwhelmed opponent. And I can tell you this, there are all fans trapped that as of the last 10 years, they also remember Vandy's had the upper hand in this game more than once. Absolutely, and not uh, something that Vol fans are all that uh, all that happy with, for sure. So uh, Tennessee looking to make a statement where its primary rivals are concerned anyway when you talk about Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Uh, you're also going to have, as we move into that primetime window on Saturday night, it's a busy window starting at yeah. 7 Eastern with Texas A&M traveling to LSU – the swan song, Brent, for Ed Orgeron, <laughs> at least in Baton Rouge, I guess That's right. there is the possibility of bowl eligibility for the Tigers. We talked about it last week. I'm not sure uh, how much that would be well-received by maybe more so the administration at LSU <laughs> than, say, the fan base yeah. or the players. But I think this is an important game for Jimbo. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's already a season – other than the win over Alabama, uh, not memorable in a lot of ways. It, the, the win over Alabama 
didn't coincide with a championship, which you would think that would be the case in most instances. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Looking for uh, nine wins, A&M is. I, I, it, I, I have wondered a couple of times this year, Trav, if Haynes King plays the entire season for A&M, how different that may have been. But there are also times, and A&M beat writers would be quick to tell you this, that as many weapons as A&M has, that Jimbo gets stubborn and doesn't use all these guys the way that he should. And you you mentioned O. O came out early on Monday and said, he's taking 2022 off, Trav. So uh, uh, I'm, uh, if with that kind of money, uh, you can sit on it for a while. Uh, I guess I can understand some of that, too. Yeah, taking 2022 off, that's all? I'd probably be taking until 2032 <laughs> off, but uh, we'll see what happens with O. But A&M looking to uh, finish up on a positive note before the bowl season. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the potential for a competitive game, although not very inspiring uh, what we saw from LSU in a win yeah. over Louisiana Monroe last Saturday night in Death Valley. So uh, could be a situation where, a&M gets on top and is maybe able to roll. I guess Max Johnson's the guy. Yeah. Garrett Nussmeyer, the decision been made to go ahead and redshirt him right, right. here late in the season where LSU is concerned? Uh, if he had played or if he plays another game, he loses that redshirt. So that's basically what, uh, it, yes, at this point uh, that they have decided. Uh, and i tell you what, I still give – uh, Tyrone David Price uh, credit. He ran well at the end of the year, Trav. He had 82 yards last week. And oh, by the way, <clears throat> Damone Clark uh, led him in tackles again. I'm sure that I'm sure that shocks you in in uh, in in guys like that to be able to focus with that much talent in a monster year. I, a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, appreciated and paid attention to the season that Clark has had. Yeah, Damone Clark and Nakobe Dean on the list of Buckus Award finalists. Well-deserved. For the best linebacker in college football. No Will Anderson on oh. that Buckus Award oh. finalist oh. list. Mercy. Yeah, tell me how he's an edge rusher, though, but he has 78 tackles. Yeah, absolutely. You know? He's just an edge rusher, but he averages over seven tackles per game. From his outside linebacker. Anyway, we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. You've got Kentucky at Louisville, another rivalry matchup coming up Saturday night. Kentucky looking for that ninth win of the season. And, boy, Mark Stoops is a name you see thrown around in some of these openings as well, Brent. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and listen, I still think he is – now look, he's not as flamboyant as Lane is, but Mark Stoops has done a nice job at Kentucky. He's a program builder. He's a good recruiter. He could he recruited Ohio very well. And look, what they've done offensively this year with Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez, Wondell Robinson really deserves a lot of credit. Now again, that that their problem, and I and I'm sure they'll talk about this the entire off season. And, and turnovers trail they're 129 of 130 we talked about that all year long and how difficult that that has been uh for them uh and by the way 
only the second time you mentioned this since '84 that Kentucky has won eight games during a, during the regular season. The last time in 2018. So nice to see these. Uh, uh, Kentucky kind of they had their own swoon and they're trying to pick it back up. And, and again, uh, I know you understand this. This is a big rivalry. But people may poo-poo this a little bit, but these two schools hate each other again. Malik Cunningham has had a uh, a good season. Certainly, a game that, uh, that that Kentucky would like to continue to. Uh, to have the upper hand with in this one and and really finish on a on a good note win a tenth game in a bowl game. The fourth and final ACC SEC matchup of Saturday will involve the Tigers of Clemson traveling to Columbia, coming down from the upstate to take on the freshly bowl eligible Gamecocks of South Carolina. Brent what are the chances that South Carolina maybe gets this done and ends a long losing streak to the visiting Tigers? Uh, well, I, I would have given it about zero a few weeks ago, but but, but I mean, the reality is, uh, Trav, as difficult uh, as this Clemson offense has been uh, this year, Uwe Ungalale is really struggle i mean he did he did much better in the wake forest game which is yeah. a nice win for them frankly to get eight wins he was 11 of 19 for uh 208 will shipley had 112 yards but again uh, i mean uh I, I don't like i don't like the phrase moral victory but even if south carolina can hold this close jason brown to his credit against auburn 10 of 15 uh, Zaquande White, I, uh, 99 yards. He got loose several times. Look, I, I, th- this uh, this bunch, uh, I, I give them credit, Trav, that they can have had all kinds of excuses just to lay down for this year. But this Carolina team is that they run the ball hard. They play hard. Uh, and, and listen, they, they very well uh, uh, will give Clemson all they want on Saturday. You know, you think about South Carolina with six wins and being bowl eligible, and you just think about wins over Florida, wins over Auburn here down the stretch of the season, but you really need to go back to the earlier stages when they came back on the road to beat East Carolina, right. when they needed a last-minute drive to beat Vanderbilt in Columbia and got it from Zeb Nolan. Zeb Nolan is out. Has been out, but this is a guy that went from graduate assistant to quarterback and to playing a large role in year one under mm-hmm. Shane Beamer, oh, yeah. getting this team to the postseason. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Uh, and, and and speaking of selling tickets, uh, the 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 fervor up there for uh, them at this point, uh, averaging twenty three points a game. Winning six games and going to a bowl game. Uh, listen, uh, Trav, uh, I don't think I don't think Shane Beamer is going to have any trouble getting kids interested looking at his program over the next year or two. No, no. I mean, it's not an easy situation to recruit to at South Carolina in terms of in-state and having enough of those elite-type prospects, SEC-caliber prospects. Uh, but certainly the surrounding area, you can get into North Carolina, you can get into Atlanta. Uh, Northeast Florida is not all that far away. No. 
they've had success. South Carolina has uh, in that area in the past. So uh, you, know, you think about the the recruiting sort of footprint for South Carolina, and you think, well, Shane Beamer will be working that extensively here coming up. So when we talk about bowl eligible eligibility in the Southeastern Conference, looking at the SEC East right now, before Saturday's games, you already have five eligible teams with Florida, possibly a sixth in the East. And then when you look at the SEC West, you're talking about six teams already that are bowl eligible with LSU possibly giving the SEC West seven, all seven teams uh, being eligible. So the potential is there, Brent, for 13 out of 14 SEC teams being able to punch their tickets to the, the, the postseason. I think what's so amazing about this right now is if you would have said – uh, in the beginning of the year, uh, that we had a situation trap where uh, <laughs> where Florida and LSU, yeah, or with uh, Vanderbilt uh, yeah, not being yeah. all eligible going into the final week. But I tell you one thing uh, that the some of these new coaches now this didn't happen with Brian Harson at Auburn. That's not saying that it won't uh, next year. But what what some of these guys have done. And like Shane Beamer, and in a, in a tremendous example, uh, Travis is with Josh Heupel. <laughs> Trav, Cedric Tillman has 51 catches for 825 yards and seven touchdowns. Coming into this year, after th- in three years, Trav, total, Tillman had eight catches for 124 yards. Boy, when it listen, the lesson in there is, and this is for Florida, this is for LSU. If you bring the right guy in as your head coach, you can turn your program around pretty quickly, can't you? Well, Vilas Jones Jr. was primarily a kick returner. Yeah. Uh, for for Southern California first, and then in transferring to Tennessee. And that's essentially what he had been throughout his career. And he has become a formidable wide receiver in that offense as well. So absolutely just a tremendous job done by Josh Heupel. Um, And we'll see how some of these openings play out as we've talked about with Florida and LSU right there at the top of the carousel when you look at gigs that have opened up around the sport anything else brent before we get out of here and uh start getting ready for some turkey maybe some mashed potatoes what brent what's brent beard's go-to side item now nah, we get it with turkey and maybe yeah. some folks do some other things from a protein perspective what's the one side dish on thanksgiving that brent beard looks forward to the most uh that carrot souffle is not bad okay. at all uh, frankly, and uh, my oldest daughter Shannon would be upset with me if I didn't give her props for her favorite mac and cheese. Yeah, that, yeah. that she she starts posting that earlier in the week, uh, as she talks as she talks about that. But Trav, again, what what a great week this coming up! Humongous games out in the conference. Outside the conference, Ohio State, Michigan, for uh, instance, uh, well, with that too. Uh, and listen, we uh, 
it's it's so close right now, which is amazing. I don't ever remember, Trav, the Heisman Trophy going into the last two weeks of the season, and we honestly have no clue who's going to win it. No, and C.J. Stroud, obviously, with a huge performance against Michigan State on a national stage last week, uh, changed some some viewpoints. There's no doubt about that, but I think we both agree wholeheartedly that yourself and other Heisman Trophy voters are going to hold those ballots as long as they possibly can because – this really is likely to come down to conference championship Saturday. Uh, and, it, and it often does. And frankly, I, I think it should uh, at this point. And, and, and last thing for me here, it, it, it's still amazing now with Mullen being fired uh, in Ogon, Kirby Smart now the third longest tenured coach <laughs> in the league, hired six years ago, Trav. Jimbo now is the fourth longest tenured coach in the league. He's only coached 47 games. They come and they go. They come and they go. Well, Brad, again, safe travels to you. I hope it's a great holiday for you and your family. I know we're looking forward to it as well. And, of course, We'll have plenty to recap next well, week when Second Helping. Oh, you talk about an appropriately <laughs> named show for this week. Second That's Helping right. might be more Absolutely. like third or fourth coming up really? on Thursday and Friday. Either way, we're going to have plenty of SEC talk for you next week. And, of course, we're going to be getting you ready for a big one in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all. Appreciate folks uh, listening to us, and, and uh, we look forward to next week uh, very eagerly. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, reminding you once again, if you haven't already subscribed to Second Helping, go ahead and do that right now. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate it. For Brent Beard, executive producer Bill Oakley, Travis Ryer, hoping you have a safe and joyous holiday. Enjoy the football, enjoy the food, enjoy the fellowship. So long, everybody.